0: This morning on Lone Star Politics, Texas lawmakers headed home with both sides calling the 86th Texas legislative session a success.
1: So we've been a long 140 days, a very rewarding 140 days for ready to go home. I think it's been a pretty good session.
0: A closer look at the bills that passed and what it means for North Texans. Plus, voters head back to the polls for the local runoff election. A look at what's at stake.
2: This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News.
0: Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5. Gromer Jeffers has the morning off. I have Rudy Bush with me from the Dallas Morning News. Rudy, thank you so much for coming in.
3: I always love sitting in Gromer's chair.
0: Well, we love having you here. (laughs) And this morning we begin with the 86 Texas Legislature, now in the books. This week, House Speaker Dennis Bonin finished his first term as Speaker, and both the House and Senate passed bills for school finance reform and property tax relief. Here to talk about what passed, what didn't, and what's next, we have State Representatives Craig Goldman and Chris Turner. Thank you both for being here.
1: Thanks for having us. Great to be here.
0: You know, we talked about this. I've spoken to both of you during the session. Both of you said it was a good session. What do you believe is the biggest success?
2: Well, I think the biggest success of the session is is public school finance reform. I think that um, that was a priority for the House uh, throughout the session. It was certainly a priority for for myself. It has been my entire time in the legislature. Um, And I think that it's going to mean meaningful improvements to our public schools. Uh, We're going to see more students be able to access full-day pre-K. Uh, more help for English language learners, better compensation for teachers, and more resources for school districts. And that's what's needed. So I think that's the biggest accomplishment.
0: Representative?
1: Well, I agree with Chris. In addition, uh, when the big three, the governor, lieutenant governor, and speaker, say on day one, we want to pass a budget that's balanced, we want to have school finance reform, and we want to have property tax reform, and then on day 140 we deliver on that, that's a major accomplishment. It doesn't happen every single day in the state
3: legislature, as we all know. So we were really worried uh, two years ago about the session that you all had and that we were going in a different direction as a state uh, in terms of the leadership that uh, we we weren't going to have the kind of cooperation that we t- traditionally have seen in the legislature. It seems like this session, uh, Legislators got the message from voters and got things back on track. What what happened? Give us a sense of the politics that that brought things together.
1: Well, I personally think it started with the new leadership in the Texas House, having Speaker Bonin come in and basically change the leadership of the entire House, appointing new chairman. Uh, Chris was made chairman of higher ed um, and and appointed a whole bunch of new chairmen, and that defined basically the the new leadership of the House is what I believe helped push these legislative priorities through.
2: Well, and I think that certainly new leadership brought a new style, and I think that was certainly part of it. I think the speaker did a good job. Um, I also think that uh, last year's elections had something to do with it. I think that you saw a more evenly balanced House. Uh, The previous session and several sessions really have been nearly a 2 to 1 Republican to Democrat ratio Mm -hmm. in the House. Um, It was much more uh, more evenly balanced this time at 83-67. I think that had an impact.
0: Let's talk a little bit of going back to school finance. One issue that took some time for a conference committee to work out were teacher raises. You had something to do with an amendment on that, Representative Turner. Can you kind of break down how it's going to look?
2: Sure. So um, when, when House Bill 3 passed the House, I had added an amendment that uh, Chairman Huberty was gracious to to accept to say that 25% of the uh, increase in funding, the basic allotment funding to school districts would be dedicated to across-the-board pay raises uh, for all school district employees. Um, the, when it came back from the conference committee, um, they, it was similar, but they changed it some. It's a percentage of of the uh, increase in funding, about 30, 30%, I believe, uh, but it is uh, geared towards uh, specific uh, specific professions like teachers, counselors, librarians, um, which is great. We all agree they deserve employees. I think the, my original thought was all district employees should, should deserve uh, some sort of pay raise, and hopefully that districts will have the flexibility to do that. But that's, that's where it ended up.
0: And Representative Goldman, you had said that what you hear about the most from voters is property taxes.
1: That's exactly right. And let's be clear, on that School Finance Reform Act and the Property Tax Reform Act, we're talking about $11 billion of new money. Uh, put into school finance and property tax relief. So it's a, it's a win-win for all. There's going to be some property tax relief for the property owners of Texas, but also major money put back into the classrooms in the state of Texas as well.
0: Other successes. We hear so much about property taxes and school finance. Other successes you both found from this session.
2: Well, I think that uh, the, the overall budget uh, was, was largely successful. Um, and that there was, uh, uh, thankfully, a, a good amount of resources to work with because the economy is strong right now, um, and that enabled some uh, long overdue things to be taken care of. Uh, specifically, I think, for our, our friends in the Gulf Coast, the Hurricane Harvey recovery was a major accomplishment that needed to be done this session, and, and that was taken care of.
1: That's what I was going to say as well. People kind of forget up here in North Texas that we needed billions of dollars to help our friends down in, South, in the South Coast, and, and being able to put billions of dollars in for Hurricane Harvey Relief was a major uh, program as well that we were able to accomplish.
0: Now, everybody leaves and saying this is a good session. There are obviously things that you would have liked to accomplish. What's next? What do you have to focus on next session?
2: Well, I I think that the the biggest thing left undone from this session that that I hope we will uh, focus on very soon involves health care. You know, Texas unfortunately started the session as the most uninsured state in the country, and we ended the session the most uninsured state in the country and uh, if texas would accept uh, medicaid expansion of the affordable care act we could insure more than a million people overnight and, and generate uh, a lot of additional revenue for our state to help in our budget i think that's the biggest thing left undone
1: and i think from my constituents it's still property tax relief uh like we said we were able to have some sort of property property tax reform that limits the growth of cities and counties so that uh, the taxpayers of, of, uh, of my district and, and all of Texas don't pay for it in regards to their property taxes. But we need true property tax relief. And there was talk of, of, of doing a tax swap, mm-hmm. of having a cent or even two cent uh, tax increase on the sales tax in order to limit the, the M&O on, on property taxes. And I think that's something we're going to really investigate going into the next session as well.
3: I am a little curious uh, how close this came to not being a successful session in your view. And obviously, uh, people get to see the headlines of what passes and and what doesn't pass, but we don't always know how close we came to, to, to the edge. And had you gotten through this session without getting school finance reform done and without getting the property tax uh, element done, I think we'd, we'd be having a much different conversation today. So take us a little bit behind the scenes and tell us what you think happened.
1: Well, I'll take you to what I know. is it, it was never in doubt, if okay. you ask me. Sure, there's elements of the of the bill and of the discussions uh, that many involved who are there part of it day to day that had discussions on and, you know, agreed to disagree, moments of that. But there was never a doubt, if you ask me, based on my conversations with the governor lieutenant governor and the speaker that we weren't going to get this accomplished for the people of texas this session
2: yeah i i I had confidence it would get done as well i think that the the clock that we have where the session ends on that last monday of may is a very good motivator uh, for people to get the work done and i think that was uh, the case this time
0: what are the last two weeks like in your shoes crazy i mean what are they really like
2: Well it's just really long days um, and and nights. Uh, You're dealing with a thousand things at once and it's a very chaotic environment on the floor of the house um, because there's just a lot going on at any given time and you're just trying to keep up with it all and, and make it all work.
0: And usually towards the end of session I notice the Sunday before the session ends usually it's like a chill day. You know you're almost there. You guys worked late, as did the Senate. I had the fourth,
1: last bill passed of session. So we were working to the very last day, at the very last moment, to get everything done. And as Chris said as before we just sat down, have you caught up on your sleep yet? And the answer is no. We haven't <laughs> caught up on our sleep. The last two weeks, there is no sleep for for us, for staff, or anybody associated with the, with the
3: session. The glories our- of government. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> we need to take a short break. But our look at the 86 Texas legislative session continues with the push to keep children And car seats safe and a new law named after a woman killed in fort worth how it could prevent similar crimes we'll be right back let's continue our conversation with some of the bills that you sponsored this session let's start with you representative turner you've had several passed. you had two in higher education one regarding um uh, child care seats in the car
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, We had a really successful session. We were able to pass a number of of important bills uh, on on child safety. I've worked on this for for three sessions now uh, to say that uh, children under the age of two Uh, should be in a rear-facing car seat. And and this aligns us with the American Academy of Pediatric Recommendations, first responder recommendations to keep young children as safe as possible uh, in the event of of a collision. Uh, So we're happy to finally get that uh, to the governor's desk.
0: And I know Molly, Jane's law, it's very personal to you. It's
1: very personal to me. It's the most important bill I've ever authored. It's the most important bill I've ever passed. Um, Molly Jane Matheson was a constituent of mine I grew up with her parents Uh, She was brutally murdered two years ago And basically we passed a law To do everything we can To prevent her type of murder From ever happening again Because this uh, person who who committed this uh, Violent act Had done so previously And he went undetected He didn't murder but he had had, had done this act In previous times uh, In different cities in our state So we passed a law to basically help uh, Identify these people and put them in a directory so that we know where they are.
3: So there's a good bit of important legislation uh, that's still sitting uh, on the governor's desk, as I understand, it awaiting signature. So I want to bring up a little bit of a sensitive topic. And we know that the the Secretary of State was not affirmed by the Senate, uh, uh, something the governor very much wanted to happen. Uh, and there is some concern, I think, particularly among Democrats, that perhaps bills won't get signed. Do you share those concerns? Do you feel that the good legislation will still get signed? Yeah.
2: Uh, Well, I don't. You know, of course, we're in in the house, so we don't have a role in the confirmation process. But um, you know, I think that you know that nomination just had a lot of problems. uh, For has been well documented. I think that's why uh, he was not confirmed. Um, But. you know, I, I'm sure I think the governor's going to evaluate bills based on their merits and, and make his decision accordingly.
1: And that's a great point. The very first bill the governor vetoed this session was a House bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, our good friend Doc Anderson uh, authored a bill that the governor said wasn't necessary. So, you know, I think it's more on the merits of the bill than, than anything else.
0: And a new secretary of state will be appointed, but then won't be confirmed until the next legislative session.
1: I believe that is absolutely true. Correct.
0: So what do you do in the summer? <laughs>
1: Well, I hope to
2: get, uh, get a little downtime, uh, get, get away a little bit. Uh, also do a fair amount of work in my district, catch up with constituents and get around the district, talk to folks, let them know what we did this summer, see what's on their minds and see what we need to be working on.
1: The work never ends. I came home two days ago from Austin and was immediately uh, visiting schools, uh, giving uh, resolutions to teachers who are retiring, teachers who won Teacher of the Year Award, valedictorians, so the work never ends. I hope to have a couple of town halls upcoming where we can dis- discuss more in depth with, the, with our constituents wh- the great things we accomplished this session.
3: Now, we we knew without a doubt what had to be the priority this, this session, but you've got a couple of years now to really reload and reconsider what do we need to be looking for down the road in terms of things that just have to get done for the state of Texas?
2: Well, well, well one thing that um, absolutely has to get done in the next legislative session, but the work will begin now, is redistricting. Um, The census is next year, and the legislature has to redraw congressional and legislative districts in 2021. Um, I serve on the redistricting committee, and we'll be holding hearings around the state over the next 18 months uh, to get input from uh, citizens of Texas on what they want to see in the redistricting process. So that's going to be a very important job we we have ahead of us.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, well, I agree with him. Redistricting is, is going to, I think you all already have 11 hearings set up. Uh, or, around 16, the, 16, 16, sorry. 16 I agree. stand corrected. I think, 16. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a major point going into the next session, obviously.
0: And 2020 is going to play a role in the next session, going to for play sure. A major role. I, I mean, Democrats picked up 10 seats last session. Uh, I believe it was 10. 12? 12, 12, 12 in the seat. House,
2: yeah. 12 in the House, two in the Senate.
0: So, I mean, are you anticipating uh, big battles, I guess is a good way to put it.
2: Well, I think, you know, there are a number of uh, competitive districts around the state, so I, I think that you'll see, uh, you know, a, a lot of interesting races. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a presidential election year. It's going to be a big turnout. Uh, both sides are going to be fired up and motivated. I think it's going to be a fascinating election to watch all across the country, and, and that will certainly play a role here in Texas.
1: I think it's going to be the most intense campaign season of, of my political history in this state.
0: All right. Well, we want to thank you both for being with us. We appreciate your time. And still ahead, Dallas residents head to the polls to replace term-limited Mayor Mike Rawlings. We'll take a look at the two men hoping to win your vote in the runoff election this week. We'll be right back. Saturday, North Texans will head back to the polls for local runoff elections. Some are already casting their early votes during early voting, which continues through Tuesday. You can check out a list of races online at dallasnews.com. And one of the biggest races we'll be watching is for Dallas Mayor between Representative Eric Johnson and Councilman Scott Greggs. Okay, Rudy, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who do you predict wins this one? I knew you were going to do this to me. I know, and uh, you still agreed to come right? on the show. I Still agreed. So
3: I'll <laughs> get off the crystal ball. I will. I will. I will answer this question, though I may be embarrassed later. Um, I think that if you look at the numbers from the uh, general election, what you'll see is that Eric Johnson. Had really strong showings in precincts throughout the city. He that's he carried southern plans, Dallas, uh, the, manager, uh, uh, the far southern Dallas, very easily. He had strong vote totals in northern Dallas, and he had uh, good votes in West Dallas. Griggs will have a really hard time making up the the ground, the just the physical ground where Johnson has a has a strong presence.
0: They have had so many forums between the two of them. Mm-hmm. They really have. So do you think voters have had ample time, if they're interested, to know exactly who they're voting for?
3: Oh, yeah. Look, one of the things I love about Dallas politics is that there's a, there's a tradition here that candidates will go wherever somebody asks them to go, and they'll get in front of a microphone and they'll talk about uh, the issues. And they probably end up answering the same question 5,000 times before they're done. And so if you don't know what each one of these candidates is about, then you don't care. And one of the things that, that really makes me sad is that a lot of people prove on Election Day that, that they don't care because they're not going to get out there and vote. But uh, there's been plenty of material put out there by both campaigns. And so it, it, you, sh- you should get out there on Election Day and, and
0: cast your vote. How does the Philip Kingston-David Blewett race, how does that affect the mayor's race, and vice versa, really?
3: Yeah, so Kingston is the incumbent in, uh, really, east Dallas, eastern Dallas, and he's a very close political ally of Councilmember Scott Griggs. And the, the difficulty for Kingston is that a number of his constituents are unhappy with him. And so he's seen this unusual challenge uh, that, has, that has forced him into a runoff with uh, a man by the name of David Blewett. And so how it's going to affect the mayor's race is if Kingston's uh, op- opponent's supporters come out in greater numbers, they're probably going to vote for Eric Johnson. Now, if Kingston's supporters come out in greater numbers, they're probably going to vote for Scott Griggs. So it's really important to Griggs that uh, the Kingston race go in his direction.
0: And you've followed uh, Dallas politics for a long time here. How will Mike Rawlings be looked back on as a mayor? You know, it's really
3: important, I think, to remember, Julie, that most Dallas mayors don't serve eight years in office. They 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 leave office prior to uh, their second term or sometime during their second term. Rawlings did the full eight years, and he did it uh, during a time of growth and prosperity in the city, and that's going to be something he's going to be remembered for. I think it's also important to keep in mind that Uh, the mayor served during some really serious crises in our city's history, and we can think back to the Ebola crisis, which Rawlings handled with a great deal of compassion and, and reason that kept sort of the, the public fear from taking over. And of course, July 7th, when we lost our police officers and he was placed into a point where he had to take take a leadership role. And I think he's going to be really remembered well for that.
0: And also in Dallas, two Democratic candidates for president were through North Texas this week. Former Vice President Joe Biden was here for a fundraiser and then spoke to students at an event with Dallas Mayor Mike Rawlings. And former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke held a roundtable discussion about immigration. He rolled out his immigration plan this week. It includes a path to citizenship for 11 million, rescinding the travel ban, and halting work on a border wall. Rudy, I expect to see candidates coming through Texas and North Texas frequently during this cycle. Yeah,
3: this is going to be really important. And and, and in a lot of ways, O'Rourke can take credit for this because it seems like Texas was almost put on the table during the last senatorial race when he very nearly beat uh, Ted Cruz, a powerful incumbent. So uh, get ready because you and I are going to be really busy with a lot of politicians coming to see us.
0: We are going to be really busy. And we're watching former Representative Beto O'Rourke somewhat try to change his profile. We're seeing a lot of national interviews, a lot more exposure.
3: Yeah, I I tend to think O'Rourke is deep in a hole, actually, in in this primary and that the goodwill that he built up uh, during the race against Cruz has not translated quite as he might have liked it to translate into the election. But as you and I know, these things turn on a dime and and who's up today can be down
0: tomorrow and vice versa. Absolutely. But I think those low poll numbers are reasons that he's trying to change his campaign a little bit. Right. And that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us this morning. Rudy, please come back. I will. All right, and we'll see you next Sunday.